0: Southview. How are we? Excellent. Welcome, welcome. Glad that you're here if you're a guest with us. My name is Brad. I'm the pastor here at Southview, and it's so great to have you with us worshiping today. I want to read for us Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. It says, And this is interesting. This is a scripture that is written to a congregation as they're gathering together. So as you're doing what we're doing right now, here's what the Bible is telling us to do. Okay, So as we're sitting now right now, getting ready, here's what God says now. Do this. right, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell richly in you teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So what the Bible is telling us to do is, one, as we come today, we are seeking to not just hear the Bible, but to allow God's Word to dwell richly in us. In other words, to live, to, 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 to take up residence, to have... Ownership of your heart. So you're not just hearing the word, you're allowing God's word to have ownership in your heart. And then as you're doing that, we're teaching one another, we're encouraging one another, we're ministering to one another. We're singing songs of praise and thankfulness to God. So I want to encourage you this morning as we gather together. I want you to come here and I want us to stand and I want us to sing excited for who our great God is. And thankful and expectant for God's word to dwell richly in us and to change us from the inside out for God's glory. So, Lord, we just ask you, that's exactly what you'll do this morning. You will change us from the inside out. You will allow your word to dwell richly in us and to mold us, to shape us, to change us, convict us, encourage us, lift us up. And, Lord, we will sing thankfully to you, praises to you because you're so great and glorious in every way. We love you, King Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand. Let's worship together.
1: Good morning, church let's do something different today let's leave the lights on and let's just let's observe each other as we sing as we celebrate our Lord and our Savior Jesus the Christ together let's sing and celebrate No are many they rise against me
0: As we come off the heels of that song, I want to let that lead us into a time of prayer together, okay? Um, and and we're going to, I had something else planned prayer-wise for us, but over the last couple of days that, uh, that prayer focus has changed a little bit, um, I want us to take some time to pray uh, in terms of world events going on right now, specifically in relation to Ukraine and Russia, and and, and for a couple of reasons, one, um, this isn't the we don't have the time for this, but it does affect us geopolitically quite significantly uh, as a country. Um, and then also, bigger than that is uh, for those in Russia and Ukraine; those are people created in the image of God, people for whom Jesus Christ died. And so what happens to them and in their life matters significantly. And especially with that song and coming off the heels of that. And it's interesting, so this morning my wife was just in her time in prayer this morning. And because it's the 27th day of February, she opened up to Psalm 27 and and started reading and, and was praying for Ukraine and the people of Ukraine and what's going on. And she came to Psalm 27, and I think it fits perfectly, providentially, in uh, what's going on, and what our prayer and desire is for them. So I'm going to read Psalm 27 for us. We're not going to have it on the screen, but if you have a Bible, you can follow along if you'd like. Psalm 27, I just want to read through that. And as we're reading through that, let that kind of generate some prayers for you. And then when we're finished reading, I'm just going to cut us loose and let us spend a little time praying. All right. So so just listen, Psalm 27, how perfectly God's Word connects with what we have going on in our lives Psalm 27 verse 1 the Lord is my light and my salvation whom shall I fear the Lord is the stronghold of my life of whom shall I be afraid when evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh my adversaries and foes it is they who stumble and fall Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in the shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer. You have said, Seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on the level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries for false witnesses have risen against me and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Let's bow our heads. Um, And as we take a minute here This morning to pray I want to encourage you to pray One For the people of Ukraine That God In his grace would Keep them safe That God Would give wisdom to leaders To know how to fight and defend Pray that God would give courage Strength. Pray specifically for the church in Ukraine, for the believers in Christ who are many, we've heard testimony, who have chosen to stay behind so they can minister rather than leave. Pray that God gives them much fruit. Pray that God empowers them to glorify Him and see the kingdom advance in the midst of heartache and difficulty. And pray for the adversary. Pray for Russia. Pray for Vladimir Putin. Pray that God would bring conviction and repentance Proverbs are true in that there may be many plans in the heart of the king but God is the one who ultimately controls him so let's pray for God that he would sovereignly intervene Lord God we just ask that you would do in this what only you can. We pray, God, for those here in our community that have either had to leave or are on alert possibly having to leave to be support and defend. We pray, God, for them, their safety, their protection. We pray, God, for their families, God, that you would wrap your arms around them, that they would know, Lord, that you love them and are there. I pray, God, for us the church, will give us wisdom to minister well in the midst of this so that we can serve these families in a way that brings glory and honor to you. Lord, we just thank you. We ask you, God, that you would do a work in all of this so that you can be glorified and made much of. And even when the enemy surrounds, you or bigger. So we pray, God, that you would do this for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. If you've got a Bible, let's find the book of James together, all right? James chapter (coughs) 3. James 3. So if you have been with us, you know that we are working our way through the book of James. And our big idea in James is that a faith that saves you will also change you, right? So the idea behind this is if you are indeed a follower of Christ, you will grow, you will mature, you will develop, you will change, right? Something will happen in you. If you are a follower of Christ, you will live differently, right? This is the whole point of James. This is the whole point of what we're trying to see happening here through God's Word. And so today what we're going to see... Is as we're talking about living differently, what we're going to see very clearly is that there are two ways for you to live. All right? There is a way that is um, wise and a way that is unwise. All right? There is a way that you can live that sets you on a path to live a life of God glorifying uh, blessing, and there's a way for you to live life that sets you on a path for ultimate destruction. Right? And Jesus himself actually had this idea. James was borrowing this idea from his big brother, Jesus. So I want to read for you Matthew chapter 7. We'll throw it up on the screen. Matthew 7, 24 through 27. Listen to how Jesus described this, okay? So he just finished. He's coming to the end of what's called the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, 6, and 7. All right, where he's laying out principles for kingdom living, how his people should live differently in the world. And after coming through all of that, he gives this little nugget at the end. Matthew 7, 24. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that rock, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. However, verse 26, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. What Jesus is saying is exactly what James is saying. We have sat here. For a couple of months now, and we got a month or so left to go. And we're hearing God's word, and we're hearing God's word, and we're hearing God's word. And that's great. Praise God for that. I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad you're hearing God's word. That is awesome. I'm glad you read God's word. I'm glad you listen to it during the week. I'm glad you podcast sermons. That's fantastic. We're hearing the word. And Jesus is, is applauding that. James would applaud that. Yes and amen. That's great. However, once we hear It's not stopping there. Just because we all hear doesn't mean we all end up at the same place. There are certain people that hear and then they do the thing that they've heard. That's the person who's building their house on a solid foundation. And even though the storm comes, their house is going to stay put because they built it on the rock. However, there are also those who hear the word. Yes, they hear it. They receive it. They would even say amen. They would agree with it. They would say that's right. But they don't actually do it. It says, you're actually building your house on the sand. And when the storm comes, and the storm is going to come. It is going to come. There's going to come a day. There's going to come a time where your marriage is going to be hard. There's going to come a time where your children will lose their minds. In fact, the word teenager in the Greek means crazy. (laughs) Right? That's a thing that's going to happen. The question is, when that happens, what's the foundation that's been laid? And if the foundation is one of not just hearing the word, but doing the word, When that storm comes, it's going to rain, and the wind is going to blow, and the waves are going to pound, but you're going to stand firm. Conversely, though, if you've been hearing the word and saying amen to the word, but not actually doing the word, when the waves come, everything is going to fall. And Jesus says, great will be that fall. It's going to be. Your fall will be epic. And what makes it so epic is, is the fact that you thought you were going to be okay. Someone who does not hear the word and does not care about the word and does not say amen to the word and their stuff falls, you go, well, I expect that, sure. What makes this fall so great is that you are under the false pretense that you're building on a good foundation, and you're not. You're not. So James takes this idea, and he runs with it. All right? This is what all little brothers do. They take their big brother stuff and they run with it. So This is what James does with Jesus, his big brother. So let's pick it up. James chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 13, okay? Looking at this idea of wisdom. So look at verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you by his good conduct Let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. So James starts out with a little pop quiz. He asks the question, who among you would consider themselves wise? I'm not going to make you raise your hand. Now when he asks this, he's not asking about your IQ. He's not asking about your GPA. He's not asking about your class rank. There's a difference between intelligence and wisdom i know a lot of very 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 smart very unwise people anybody intelligence and wisdom do not necessarily go together so what is this wisdom so the word wise there in the greek is sophos and uh and and it's this understanding of the application of knowledge True biblical wisdom isn't just knowing things. Biblical wisdom is doing the thing, right? This is exactly what Jesus is saying. This is what James is saying. Not just hearing, but doing. True biblical wisdom does it. The word literally means bringing knowledge to life. That's what the word sophos means. Bring knowledge to life. You apply it. You live it. You do it. It's about not just facts, but it's about living not just intellectual it's behavioral it's doing the thing then it uses the word understanding the word understanding is interesting it means to grow in expertise in a field right so in whatever line of work you're in if you're in the military right after basic you go to specific Training. If you're in the medical field, you focused in a specific training, in law, in a specific field of law, whatever that is, there's a specific thing that you study and you drill down on, become an expert on, a specialist in. And what he's saying is this, we so seek to live out the truth of God's word that we become experts in it. We're experts in living out the truth's Of God's Word and it says when you do this it's going to be obvious these good works are manifest or these wisdom is manifest in good works and meekness in other words again James is not going to let this point go it's not good enough to say you have to do no one if anyone it cracks me up when people have to tell you that they're wise they're not wise right if anyone has to convince you of their wisdom they have no wisdom Wisdom does. Wisdom is obvious. Wisdom manifests itself out. It's super easy to detect. And we're going to see some specific ways that we can as we go through the scriptures today. But what God is trying to get with in all of this is what is godly wisdom? Godly wisdom is the application of the spiritual truth, the living it out. It's not just knowing the Bible, it's living the Bible. A lot of people know things in the Bible, but do they actually live it? That's the question James is trying to get at here. So, as we look at this, let's start first with worldly wisdom. We're going to kind of juxtapose worldly wisdom and godly wisdom. Look at the two differences, between, the differences between the two. So I want to start first with worldly wisdom. Proverbs 14, 12. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There is a way that seems right to a man but its end is the way of death. I want that verse to really kind of sink in just for a moment. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in its end, it's the way to death. In other words, there's a way for you to live your life. Listen to me very carefully because this is profoundly important for us. This hits every one of us right between the eyeballs. You ready? There's a way that you live your life that sounds good and it feels right and all your people around you applaud you and agree you're living your truth you're looking out for you finally you're seeking to love yourself because after all if you don't love you you can't love anyone else that's what the bible says right right don't answer you'll be wrong It feels right. It seems right. It sounds right. Everyone around you agrees with it. It feels like you're on the right path. But in the end, it's just a path that's going to kill you. It's going to lead to destruction. It feels like the right path, but it's not the path to life and blessing and happiness and joy. It is the path to death. And destruction. And what's scary about it is, at the time, it seems right. So what we're going to do today is kind of dive in and pick apart the things that seems right. But in actuality, it's wrong. So let's look at this. Worldly wisdom. Let's break it apart in a few ways. First is this. Worldly wisdom is focused on self. Worldly wisdom is focused on self. So look at verse 14. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. So the word bitter jealousy refers to a person who has their hands full and they're easily threatened by the thought of losing what they possess. Right? This is mine and don't you dare take it from me. Selfish ambition is this desire to be seen. This desire to push yourself to the top of the pile. I'm not going to be last. I'm going to be first. And it says when we do this, we boast and are false to the truth. In other words, this is a person who would justify themselves and close their hearts and their minds to any differing opinion, any desire for others, any thought any or, or, or rebuke from someone else that loves them. Worldly wisdom just focuses on you. Here's a great red flag. You ready? Here's a way to kind of self-diagnose. As you're thinking through an issue, how often do you use the word I or me? This is what I need, and this is what I feel, and this is how I've been treated, and this is what I need to do next. And what about me? And who's looking out for me? And what do I need? It's all about you. And then you gather people around you to help you focus on you. All your girls are like, you've been taking care of that overgrown baby for too long. You need to worry about you now. You need to focus on you first. If you don't take care of you, who's going to? Oh, your boys are like, you see the car you put her in and the house you put her in and the vacations you give her and she treats you like that? Man, you need to worry about you for a little bit. You've been taking care of her for too long. You need to worry about you. We make everything about us. And even when we try to think about someone else, we still make it about us, right? Well, I mean, getting a divorce is going to be hard on the kids, isn't it? Oh, no, 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 no. Because if I get a divorce, I'm going to be happier, which is going to make them happier. So even when you're trying to think about them, you have a brilliant way of still making it about you. This is a worldly wisdom that sounds right at the time, doesn't it? It sounds right. It scratches the itch that's so hard to reach. And then someone says that and you go, you know what? I think you're right. I do need to think about me. I do need to focus on me. I have been putting myself second. Where's my self-care? That is a worldly wisdom that sounds good at the moment. But listen to me. The Bible says, not me. The Bible says it sounds good at the moment, but it's going to kill your soul. You can't live like that. You can't live like that. So then it keeps on going and gives you a couple more ideas for this worldly wisdom. Verse 15. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. So let's let's pick those three apart real quick. First is this, worldly wisdom is focused on the moment. That's earthly. By earthly, it means it's just focused on this temporary here and now rock of an earth. It can't think beyond this earth. It can't think beyond this life. It can't think beyond this moment. You're doing what you think will make you happiest right now. You're not thinking five minutes from now, a year from now, much less into eternity. We don't think about those things. You know it's a worldly wisdom when it's focused on the momentary things of this earth. Here's a problem. I need to fix it. Get it out of my way. It's just momentary. You know, research has found... There's been such an enormous spike in suicide over the last two years, specifically among young people. And the latest research i found says that it's believed that the average person who commits suicide decided to do that less than one hour before committing the act. Many, they believe, made the decision within 10 minutes of committing the act. This idea, and again, I've gone through the training, many of you going gone through the training, we know the question is to ask, well, do you have a plan? How long have you been thinking about it? It's, we're learning, that's old thinking. This idea that someone has thought about it for days and weeks and months and the pro and con it out and maybe I should and maybe I shouldn't and circle a date on the calendar and I'm working towards that date and that just doesn't happen. What happens is this, a bad thing happens, they can't fathom life on the other side of that bad thing. So they killed themselves. It is momentary earthly, worldly wisdom that literally leads to death. It's just that moment. On a practical level, as a parent, which is why we tell our kids all the time, just we just shoehorn it into any conversation we can. Like there is no problem we can't handle, guys. Right? There's no issue we can't handle. Through the power of the Lord, we can handle anything. doesn't matter how bad you messed up and how bad you think those consequences are. There is nothing through the power of the Lord we can't work through. Just, we always are just dropping that nugget in, right? Why? Because this is a plan of Satan that is quite literally killing a generation. Just think about the right now. Just think about the right now. Just think about the right now. And if you can't fathom still living in this moment five minutes from now, then don't live in this moment five minutes from now. Right? It's, it's, it's focused on the here and now, and it's literally killing a generation. And, and even how we, we raise our kids and, and, and think through all of those things, look, just take a look at your life. Take a look at, here's again, sort of self-diagnosing what kind of wisdom are we living under, a godly wisdom or a worldly wisdom. Just look at your life. Look at your bank account. Look at your calendar. Look at your schedule. Look at how you do things as a family. Just take a look, just homework for this week. Take a look at it. How much of what you do is focused on this earth, specifically when it comes to your kids? How much of what you do with your kids thinks about eternity? According to the NCAA, 97% of high school students will never play college ball in any sport. According to the NCAA, 97% of high school students will never, ever, ever play college sports. 99.9% of students will never play professional sports. But you know what? 100% of your kids will face-to-face Jesus one day. Are you preparing them for that? Are you preparing them for that? A worldly wisdom just focuses on this earth, this moment, this time. What can I get from here? If your life is wrapped around, how can I squeeze as much out of this momentary earth as possible? It's a worldly wisdom that feels right at the time. You think this way. Your friends think that way. People you know that don't live that way wish they could live that way. Well, it has to be right, right? It's a way that seems right, but in the end, it, it ultimately leads to death. We also see that this wisdom is unspiritual. In other words, it's focused on the flesh. The word unspiritual can also be translated in your Bible as natural. It's the Greek word um, psychikos. It's where we get our word for psychology, the psyche. The study of the human condition, the natural condition of man. And depending on your psychology professor or on your counselor, some of them uh, might try to help you when giving no thought or interest to the spiritual world at all. And that doesn't help you. Worldly wisdom is focused just on the natural um, coping mechanisms and, 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 and life strategies that do not take into account the fact that you are not a natural being, you are a spiritual being. You are a soul that just so happens to be living in a body right now. You need to be focused on the spiritual, not the natural. And then, also, lastly, worldly wisdom is inspired by Satan. It says it's demonic. That word demonic can be translated literally demon-inspired. It's the only time this word form is used in the entire New Testament. This wisdom is devilish in nature. It is from Satan. So think about it. This is really scary to think about. All this worldly wisdom that sounds good, it's from the devil. It's from Satan himself. And you know how serious this is? Going after worldly wisdom is at the very foundation and heart of every act of rebellion against God. Go back to Genesis chapter 3. We'll put it up on the screen for you. Genesis chapter 3. So God created Adam and Eve. They're in the garden, all is well, right? Eat this fruit, but not that fruit. And then chapter 3, Satan comes in. Chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave to the sum with her husband who was with her and he ate. I want you to notice something. The very first time the word wisdom is used in the entire Bible is in the context of the devil. At the very heart of our rebellion against God is this understanding of, I know how to live my life better than God knows how for me to live my life. I know what to do better than God knows what to do. And look at what Satan was saying to her, right? It's focused on self. You will not die. You will know good from evil. Don't you want this? Right? It's focused on the moment. Die? You're not going to die to worry about death. You want it right now, don't you? It's focused on the flesh. It's good for the food. It's a delight to the eyes. This was selfish. It was momentary. It was fleshly, and it led us all into hell. It seemed right at the moment. It always seems right at the moment. But what did this act do? It led to lying and fear and hiding and treachery and murder. Which brings us back to James chapter 3, verse 16. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. Confusion and corruption are the results of this earthly wisdom. It leads to death. It leads to destruction. But what does godly wisdom look like? Let's look at this real quick. Verse 17. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. So real quick, what's, earthly, what's worldly wisdom? Worldly wisdom is pure. In fact, verse 17 says it's first Pure. In other words, the very first thing you need to know about godly wisdom is it's pure. Godly wisdom runs to God and away from sin. Godly wisdom is about righteousness. It's about holiness. You know when you're in godly wisdom when what you're being led to do is righteous and not sinful. Right? I, I sit down and talk with um, engaged couples Right, and they're like, you know, we've been thinking. You know, who knows what interest rates are going to be like? Things are goofy in the world, right? So we were just thinking, since before we get married, we're just going ahead to buy a house and move in together because that just seems like the wise financial move to make. So, so you're not married? No, 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 no. And, and you're going to live together? Yes. And my assumption is you're going to be sexually intimate with one another while you're living together. I mean, that's not your business, but, whoa, it is, actually. No, that's not wise. Why? Because it's leading to sin. Right? I think the wise move is for us just to separate. No, it's not. It's not a wise move. Because it's leading to sin. You're going to get divorced. No one gets separated and then gets reconciled back together again. It doesn't happen. It always ends in divorce. No, it's not wise. It's not wise. Don't do that. It's going to lead to sin. Godly wisdom is always first pure. First above anything else, it's always pure. Here's a great way, again, to self-diagnose for yourself and for others that you talk to. If what they're feeling led to do is not something that leads away from sin and to God, it is not godly wisdom, it's worldly wisdom. It sounds right right now, but it's going to lead to their destruction. Just mark it down. Next, it says godly wisdom is peaceable. In other words, godly wisdom loves peace. Loves peace. If it's truly godly wisdom, it's going to be the opposite of selfless ambition. It's going to seek to bring peace. right? It's going to seek to bring togetherness, unity. Even if a difficult situation has to be dealt with, the heart behind it is always going to be peace. Next, it says "Gentle." Godly wisdom is gentle. Godly wisdom le- yields its rights on behalf of others. This word gentle is really interesting. It means someone who trusts God in the face of injustice. It, it means yielding your rights, yielding the right away to someone else, right? Being humble and yielding so that someone else can go through, right? It's like in the parking lot. You're going to leave the parking lot here in just a moment. You're going to need to practice godly wisdom and gentleness, yielding the way. That's exactly what it's describing here. You pump the brakes, you pull back the reins, and you think about someone other than yourself. It's gentle. It's yielding the way. It's not selfish ambition. It's caring for other people. If you've ever come to me and sat down because you had a conflict with someone and you're asking for wisdom on how to handle that, you know the advice I always give you, be humble. Be humble. Always go low. Be humble. This is the gentleness that James is speaking of here. Yielding your rights so that someone else can go. Next, it says, after gentle, it's open to reason. The word open to reason means agreeable. Someone who is walking in godly wisdom, there's someone who is open to reason. They're not defensive. They're not angry. They're not easily someone who's disagreeable. The opposite of this would be someone who's stubborn and bullheaded. Someone who refuses to hear someone else's opinion, refuses to compromise. No, no, no. This is what's going to happen. Uh, This word was also used in uh, the first century for someone in a military context who would get an order from above but would gripe and complain about it. Or a a, a child who would get um, uh, something from their parent but gripe and complain about it. A student who would get a command from a teacher but gripe and complain about it. This so is someone who doesn't just submit, who doesn't just listen to other opinions, who doesn't just seek to be agreeable, but someone who's always pushing back, always defensive, always having their opinions being shown. Again, if you, if you know someone like that, whether you see them in the mirror this morning or you go to work with them tomorrow, they're always having to push back. They're always having to give an opinion. They're never the agreeable one. They're never going, well, I hear what you're saying. We'll do it your way, sure. That is someone who's walking in worldly wisdom. Godly wisdom is open to reason. Next, godly wisdom is full of mercy and good fruits. I love that. So this is the only one in here that's two characteristics combined, mer- uh, Full of mercy and good fruits, they're connected. And the reason they're connected is because um, mercy isn't just something you feel, it's something that you should do. So you're full of mercy, and then that leads you to good fruits, right? You feel mercy for someone, and so you show that mercy to someone. You're not just thinking, gosh, I feel bad for them, but you're actively seeking to do something. Again, godly wisdom doesn't just see or say, godly wisdom does. And then the last two, godly wisdom is impartial. Some of your translations may say unwavering. It doesn't go back and forth. It stays faithful. Someone who's this, and then they're this, and then they're this, and then I'm in, I'm out, and I'm up, and I'm, I'm down. That's a worldly wisdom person. Godly wisdom says, no, no, I made a commitment, and I'm going to see it through. I said I would be there. I'm going to be there. I said I would do that. I'm going to do that. I'm staying the course. They're impartial. They're not swerving back and forth. And then last, sincere. Godly wisdom isn't fake. That word sincere is the same word that we would get hypocrisy from. And that's an interesting word, hypocrisy. It actually was a word used for actors in the first century. Um, so a lot of times in acting in the first century, people would play multiple roles. And you didn't have time to change clothes and all that sort of thing. So you just had a mask, right? And so you put this mask up and you're this person. And then you'd walk off stage and come put this mask on and you're a different person. And this is describing someone who lives life like that. When you sit in here, you're one way, but when you're out there, you're another way. That's a worldly wisdom. When you're this way in front of this person, but this way in front of this person, that's a worldly wisdom. Godly wisdom is sincere. In other words, it's true. It's consistent. It's not hypocritical. It stays the course. So let's put all of this together. What's the point of all of this? Look at verse 18. Here's the point of it all. James three eighteen. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So it's this agricultural analogy, right? This harvest of wisdom is, is, is sown. This harvest of wisdom is reaped. How does that happen? It happens through you planting godly seeds. So here's the point. You ready? Here's how it all comes together. The gospel is, through faith in Jesus Christ, God loves you perfectly, and nothing you do can change that. Here's the great news. You ready? Through faith in Christ, God loves you exactly the way you are. Let's start here. Through faith in Jesus Christ, God loves you exactly the way you are. However, God loves you way too much to let you stay exactly the way you are. Are we tracking with that? The faith in Christ makes love for God pour into you regardless of your life. Yes, you're a sinner. Yes, you're a rebel. Yes, you're a hater of God. And that's why he came for you and Jesus died for you to save you from that. And he loves you just the way you are. But he loves you way too much to let you stay just the way you are. He wants you reaping a harvest of righteousness. He wants you growing and maturing. He wants you bearing spiritual fruit that glorifies him. He wants you being the kind of husband and father and wife and mom and child and church member and worker and neighbor. He wants you to be that kind of person that brings glory and honor to him, that kind of person that has a harvest of righteousness popping up everywhere they go. And the only way that's going to happen is if you sow wise seeds into the lo- ground of your heart. Are you living in wisdom? Do you seek to live a life that is built on a solid foundation or a life built On sand. I want to share one more scripture with you. Proverbs chapter 9 verse 10. So how do we grow in wisdom? How does this happen? Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is inside. Where does wisdom come from? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. To fear the Lord means to honor, respect, obey, worship God alone. You fear God when you realize that God is huge and glorious and amazing and powerful. That God is terrifying and beautiful all at the same time. That he is Huge and glorious and amazing, and you wouldn't dare want to do anything that does not glorify and honor him. He is so beautiful and so amazing and so perfect and so unbelievably terrifying. Listen, I know we, we're afraid of fearing God. Because we don't want that to end in a bad place. We don't want people to be like, oh, I'm afraid of God, so I run from God. No, that's not the way he's talking about fear. He's talking about fear in the way of of almost awe. this, This unbelievable, yes, he is so huge and so amazing and so powerful and so beautiful. I have to know him. I have to worship him. I have to follow him. I can't imagine doing anything else. The fear of the Lord... That's where wisdom is going to start. Knowledge of the Holy One is inside. I love that, knowledge of the Holy One. The more you grow in your knowledge of God, the more wisely you're going to live. Now notice, the point isn't that you grow in your knowledge of the Bible. The point is that you grow in your knowledge of God. Now the two should go together, but they don't always do. There are many people who grow in their knowledge of the Bible, but they're not actually growing in their intimate personal knowledge of God and a genuine relationship with Him. Does that make sense? We don't want that. This is why we offer equipped classes like grasping God's word, because we want you to see how to dive into God's word so that you grow in the true knowledge of God. Not just growing in knowledge of the Bible, but growing in knowledge of God himself. Because the more you grow in the knowledge of God, the more you desperately want to do everything in your life that he tells you to do and that is where wisdom starts where you realize he is perfect and glorious and wise and i want to do everything he says and i am a fallen piece of 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 humanity that cannot figure out my future i need god need him So I'm going to ask our our band to come up. And as they do, I'm going to just leave three questions for you just to think through. Question number one, have you surrendered your life to Christ? Have you surrendered your life to Christ? The wisest thing you can do is to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. The wisest thing you can do is to realize that you can't do this and you need him that you are fallen and you are sinful and every decision you make ultimately is going bad and you need Jesus Christ to be your Lord. You need Jesus Christ to be your master. You need to follow him. You've been following yourself. It's not going well. You need to follow Jesus. It's the wisest thing you can do. Today, trust by faith in Christ. Submit your life to Christ. Surrender your life to Jesus. Become a follower of him. He came, he died, and rose again to make you new. Give your life to him. Second, Are you seeking to grow in your knowledge of God? Again, the more you grow in your knowledge of God, the more wisdom you're going to be able to walk in. The more you grow in the knowledge of God, the more wisdom you're going to be able to walk in. He knows and you don't. Right? I mean, if if I as a 43-year-old man believe that I know better than my 7-year-old daughter, and she's going to wake up in the morning and she's going to think ice cream for breakfast is a no-brainer. And brushing teeth is stupid. And who needs to go to school? I know everything I need to know. As a 43-year-old father, I look and go, no, 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 trust me. I know things that you don't know. I understand things that you don't understand. So you need to do what I tell you to do. If, if I understand that from my perspective, how much more... Should I understand perfect, eternal, holy, righteous creator God knows much better than I do. So I need to fear and follow him. And I only do what he tells me to do. And I only live how he tells me to live. And I only walk in what he tells me to walk in. And then third, are you spending time around biblically wise people? Have you noticed how so much of life is contagious? If you hang out around joyful people, you start to be more joyful. If you hang out around negative people, you're much more negative. If you hang out around gossipy people, you tend to gossip a lot. I mean, so much of life is contagious. In fact, really interesting, um, Harvard Medical uh, Journal did uh, one of the most extensive studies on weight and diet ever. And as they broke that down, what they found was 66% of people who were considered obese had close personal friends who were also obese. And what they discerned from that was, is that stuff's contagious. If you hang out around people who eat junk, you typically hang out with them and eat junk. If you're around people who are living unwise lives, odds are you're going to live an unwise life. If you hang out with people who are sporadic in church attendance, you're probably sporadic in church attendance. If the bulk of your friends, listen, if the bulk of your friends in this church are not involved in a small group, I'll bet you lunch you're not involved in a small group. Why? Because this stuff's contagious. Who you're hanging out with doesn't do it, so you don't do it. are you spending time with biblically wise people it's contagious be around them spend time with them let them pour into you just let some of that stuff rub off on you let it change you so i'm going to ask you to bow your heads for me and and i'm going to pray for us So there are two ways to live life. You can live it. Building your house on shifting sand. And it's just a matter of time before the storm comes. And it's going to knock it over. Or you can build your life, life on the rock. Strong, sure, biblical wisdom. Practical application of gospel truth that stems from and comes from you first and foremost fearing, loving, revering, worshiping, knowing God. And the more you grow in your knowledge of God, the more you're going to be empowered to walk in biblical wisdom. So this morning, the call for us is, every one of us in this room, every one of us, I believe the call on all of us is falling on our face before God and saying, God, I want to know you even more. There isn't a person in this room, myself included, who perfectly knows God that's ridiculous. So the heart of every one of us needs to be, God, I need to know you more. I need to know you more. I need to know you more. As I grow in the knowledge of who you are, as I grow in knowledge of you, as I grow in relationship with you, I'm going to be empowered to walk in more and more wisdom, bearing harvest of righteousness. So, Lord God, I pray for us here this morning. It's exactly who we'll be and what we'll do. We'll be people that just seek, Lord, to grow in our knowledge of you. Because that is the only key to life. Thank you, Jesus. Do this in us for your glory. We pray this in your name. Amen. Let's stand. Let's worship together. Have a seat just for a moment as we as we wrap up together. Just a couple of quick announcements. One, if you're a guest with us today, welcome. I'd love to connect with you. Two ways you can do that is uh, my wife and I will be up front here. We'd love for you to come by and say hello. I'd love to put a name with a face. Uh, and then secondly, uh, if you can just grab your cell phone and text the word connect to our number on the screen. 910-424-1298. Just so we can know who you are and how we can minister to you in the best way possible. Uh Next, our big three announcements, Uh, what's going on here at Southview, how you can be plugged in and connected. One, baptism, March 6th, if you're interested in that, today's the sign-up final for that, so let us know reach out to us by texting the word BAPTISM to our number uh, so we can get you signed up and chat with you this week about that. Second, Ladies of Grace Retreat. Today is also the last day for that, and if there's a couple of spots available. Today is the final day, so if you're interested in that, text the word BEACH to our number, 910-424-1298. And then our guys are having a retreat as well in October to Fort Caswell. If you want to sign up for that, guys, you can text the word RETREAT to that number to get you signed up for that. and For all other announcements, everything that's going on, you can download our app, Southview Baptist Church, iTunes or Google Play. You can sign up there, uh, download that so you can know all the announcements, everything that's going on. Uh, One more quick announcement. Uh, As you leave here this morning, we've got some letters on the back desk. Next week after the 11 o'clock service, we're going to have a quick church vote. We have got to get a new uh, HVAC unit. We had one go out on us. we got to get a new one. So you can get all the information about that as you leave. And we'll vote on that next week after the 11 o'clock service. All right? I love you guys. God bless you so much. Have a wonderful, amazing week. See you next Sunday.